You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times, and today's topic is what role do developers have in application security? So joining me today are Patrick McNeil and Cody Bertram. They're both Senior Principal Solution Analysts at security company Vericode. Uh, and uh, this is a topic we've been hearing an awful lot about. Obviously, security is important to everyone. Uh, and with the uh, world in a shift left mode these days with uh, putting more and more into the development uh, uh, part of things, uh, it's important to try to delineate what the role of developers is in security and, and um, how they can help make everything stronger. So let me start with you, Patrick, with the question. Uh, which is how how do you get developers to care about security? I think that's probably a good jumping off point. Definitely, and, and thanks for having us, David. Um, I'll say that you know you may get some developers that already have an interest in security, so it won't be that difficult to get them to to care about it. But typically, they're going to follow directives from their management. So whether or not they care isn't really the point. It's whether or not they're willing and able to do something about it. And really you've got to get their customer who's really the business management who has, has internally contracted or perhaps ex externally contracted to get them to develop software to care about it. And it may come down to you know, a corporate mandate or you know, quantifying the impact of, of security as a non-functional requirement, but um, it's, it's really down to the business and then not making it hard on them when you, you give them a tool set. It's gotta be easy for them to use. It's gotta integrate in with their existing tool chains, you know, minimum false positives, get them support, you know, make it, make it easy to use. So Cody, what do you think, man? Yeah, Patrick, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if it doesn't come in the form of a mandate, um, you know, it, it's probably not going to get, you know, the proper attention it deserves. Um, you know, I actually have a story kind of close to that. Um, you know, one time I was working with a development team and, um, you know, we were working through static analysis, um, you know, results, and I just couldn't get them to pay attention. Um, one of the vulnerabilities was um, actually a, a cross-site request forgery attack, um, you know, where I could actually put, um, you know, unintended, you know, JavaScript um, code into, you know, my personal website that, you know, I could get that developer um, on that team to actually, you know, click on, and then it would execute, um, you know, uh, unintended um, commands you know, in a, in a session for their app, but I, I just knew this guy had it open, right? And so the cross-site request forgery, um, you know, actually abused administrative rights uh, within the application um, and, and basically created me uh, an administrator account. Um, so it was a pretty severe, you know, like CSRF um, type of vulnerability uh, but sure enough, you know, this developer, I sent him an IM and I'm like, hey, check this out. And, and he clicked on it. <laughs> and then I proceeded to completely lock him out of his own application. And at that point, even though he had resisted me and like helping and doing anything like, you know, working through the, the you know, the issues and a report, he then became completely captivated by like what we had done and what we had proven out. 
Uh, and he proceeded to like work on off hours, actually, you know, uh, pursuing how much cooler, you know, all the rest of the issues were uh, on the report. So, you know, he at first resisted it because he didn't have time for it, but then, you know, completely invested himself um, all in it so much so that we actually even created a, a live demo of that exploit uh, and presented it to, you know, executive management to kind of prove out that, you know, security was cool and that what we were doing was not just, um, you know, like work for the sake of work, that these were real issues that, you know, we were doing something proper about. Yeah. So that raises an interesting question. And, And like I said earlier, you know, kind of in this shift left world, how many things can you put on developers? Now they have to be responsible for testing. They have to be responsible for data quality. They have to be responsible for security. How much can you put on them before it defeats the whole purpose of DevOps, which is releasing more quickly if we're putting all of these extra things on top of developers? Yeah, I, I think there's certainly a breaking point and a, a lot of the thought of shifting left and, you know, uh, putting yet another tool on their workstation is typically not the way we, re- we recommend you start off any program with. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we tend to find that your program will be more successful if you start more at, at the build level. Look, look at your CI, CD tooling and start there and just get an understanding of you know, what your security debt really is and then go after some, some targets you know, based on the debt that you have, what are what are the top flaw types that you see developers continuing to commit? And then, you know, either through mandate or training or something else, you know, give them the, the help and the education that they need so that they are not committing those types of sins going further, you know, going forward. Right. Um, so it, it becomes less of a, oh, I have to check this box or run this additional tool it's more of an awareness as they're they're doing their existing coding. Cody, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that there should be a clear delineation between um, security debt that might be legacy in an application, and then you know having the developers be able to work on that um, as an aspect of their normal backlog, and you know, like actually go through sprint cycles or, you know, prioritize and, and give feedback as to the level of effort, you know, it, it would take to fix something on the backlog, um, you know, is important because, you know, it actually gets properly prioritized and it gets the attention, you know, that, that it needs and it doesn't feel like um, out of band work. And then, you know, secondarily to that, um, if it's not a legacy, you know, uh, part of debt, like it hasn't been in the code base forever, then, you know, giving a shorter feedback loop, you know, so that you can kind of, um, you know, instantly give a developer a heads up, um, you know, let's say before the paint dries, you know, the, the brush is still wet and that they can actually address it while it's still fresh in mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and to your, to your point, um, you know, if we're talking about, oh, geez, now there's something else they have to do before they commit code, that that may be true. Yes, you may slow things down a little bit, but as you introduce changes to your process, if you can try to measure, you know, what what was your flaw introduction rate 
prior to adding the, the extra security checks or tools or whatever your gate was mm-hmm. to their process and then measure it afterwards, you can start to quantify, you know, we spent an extra 15, 20, 30 minutes up front, but then we didn't have to spend time pulling code, you know, off the shelf again and coming back to it and understanding it and uh, fixing it later on. So yeah. the, the time spent up front may lead a, a, a greater benefit than trying to do it later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, here's another question for you. Uh, a lot of organizations are starting to put together, I guess, what they're calling development squads. So it's developers, it's testers, it's security people, it's IT operations people, people from the business side. So they're all working from the very beginning of requirements all the way through to deployment uh, and and making sure that all those uh, bases are kind of touched. Is that uh, something that you guys would consider a best practice? And uh, kind of wondering what you think about that. I don't know. That sounds like effective DevOps to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely support it. I mean, having having that tighter partnership to enable faster feedback, uh, you know, r- real real-time communications about what what is a functional or non-functional requirement, what the test cases should be, what the business requirements are. I mean, those those are all really important things. So anything you can do to bring all the uh, shareholders together in a much tighter fashion would certainly be a help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I think about like development squads, I think about, you know, some organizations have, have hired a a consultant firm or, you know, even, you know, brought in new brand new net new developers to, to a project in order to help kind of tackle some of the the security debt. Um, And I just think back to my days as a developer, you know, like you don't actually get into writing um, or being, you know, all that helpful for, for your first few months because, you know, complex software systems, um, you know, take time to kind of learn and, and be proficient at. So, you know, like bringing in somebody else to, you know, work on the problem, you know, isn't always um, effective. Um, you know, sometimes it's the the developers that are closest to the code and have that tribal knowledge um, that that are the most effective. And at, at Veracode, we've actually, you know, uncovered a really successful uh, methodology in the sense that we provide developers that are also security experts and they're called application security consultants. And mm-hmm. since they bring the knowledge of security, their purpose is, is to like bring that and meet directly with the developers that actually know uh, the application and can then you know have a, a proper discussion on the you know application of security. Uh, in the context of you know the, the real business world problem that that the application is is solving, so that um, you know you can accomplish securing that um, without you know stepping on any toes um, or breaking any business functionality. Right. So that's interesting. So in terms of training developers to get uh, more involved in security. Is it important to get them to the point of being, uh, you know, a true security professional or are there just certain things they need to know in the context of, of creating code that will help them ensure um, security? 
because uh, I, I had mentioned uh, earlier, I guess, in a, in a conversation, an email we had together, that, uh, you know, the OWASP list and uh, NVD do not land on developer desks. So, uh, you know, for them to even keep on top of this stuff is, is probably uh, going to be a little problematic. So what, what do you suggest in terms of training of developers for security? Yeah, I think I think training has to be fairly targeted. Like I said earlier, you know, basically measure and find some of those specific flaw types that they tend to commit most often. Um, you know, we've we've seen some success from the traditional kind of e-learning approach, but oftentimes, you know, developers will hit play and just let that go and take the test at the end. Um, any any sort of in in tooling advice that you can give them is great. And as Cody was mentioning before, access to those consultants, basically somebody that you can go ask a question of, how do I fix this? How do you recommend I approach it? Uh, you, you actually learn an awful lot from those types of, of conversations. Um, you know, and then they can always go play with some of the uh, external, you know, types of known vulnerable applications to see you know how to how to actually exploit certain types of things, but at the end of the day, they don't have a whole lot of of time for that. So what's really important is that partnership with the security team. And what can be effective is giving them just a list of if you're working on something that is going to cross this boundary, this is where you might want to go get some advice. You know, hey, I'm, I'm working on a new authentication method or I need to encrypt a certain type of data, but we haven't had encryption before or I'm connecting to a new type of database. Those, those are things that might be security sensitive. And if they have a checklist and know that's when they need to ask for help, you know, they, they can get additional training or guidance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Good. Patrick. I mean, nothing is more effective than in my personal opinion, than trying to make it a little bit cool. Um, you know, like my illustration uh, and the story that I gave uh, at the beginning, like that developer just, you know, he got into it. And uh, until that happens, it, it seems like, you know, extra work or, you know, something that, um, you know, like it's a needle in a haystack. Um, but uh, to your point, you can, um kind of make it cool based on, you know, threat modeling or um, kind of asking the developers to put themselves in, in like a nefarious actor's shoes, you know, just how would you think about abusing this, um, you know, if you were mm -hmm. you know, trying to uh, um, <laughs> you know, break into systems and, and cause harm um, and then putting yourself kind of in that that dark place is is kind of fun oftentimes. I mean that's why we all enjoy you know movies and things about you know criminal masterminds and and so if we can kind of go there, I think that that's you know uh, you know very effective. Um, and a tools based approach is also another one. You know is if you can put people on um, you know accurate information that's actionable, um, you know, then they're going to end up trusting that information and trusting that source. And, um, yep. and they learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and, and, and to, to Cody's point about, you know, putting them in the attacker's shoes, that's that's where Veracode Security Labs really comes in because we're actually spinning up a real vulnerable application 
in a container so they can get real hands-on experience. Like part of the, the class is actually going and exploiting the code and you're given some, some guidance, but not necessarily the answer on how to do that. So they, they have to think through, oh, how would I actually exploit this? then get to the point where they have to fix the code and then do the same exploit to see if it works again. So it's, it's kind of the, the reinforcement of how do, you know, how do I break it? How do I fix it? How do I test it? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, listen, Patrick, uh, Cody, appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for talking with us. I want to let our listeners know that you will be um, uh, joining us again on September 10th for a webinar for a much deeper uh, dive into this topic, uh, which is fascinating. And I know security is top of mind in so many organizations these days. Uh, you'll be joined for that with our news editor, Christina Cardoza, uh, September 10th, 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. So join us for even a deeper discussion into the topic. But thanks for being here today, fellas. Appreciate it. Thank sure. you. Thanks for having us. And uh, until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein. So long for now.